Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast, The Love and Dating Group with Dr. Den, an industry expert. I'm very excited about this show as it will bring new insight to our many listeners about the dating challenges in the 21st century and the do's and don'ts when seeking your soulmate. Everything you need or want to learn about the how-tos of dating and relationship will be discussed here. How to, be, how to avoid being put into friend zone after the first date, being catfished, conned, or getting scammed, and so much more will be covered in this podcast. Toxic relationships can cause strife, breakup, or divorces. Infidelity, trust issues, troubled finances can contribute to these challenges. Guests appearing on our show are experts in this industry, sharing their insight about what you can encounter in any stage of dating, getting into relationship, and whatever else comes next. My name is Dr. Dan, and I'm your host for today's episode. I'm a bilingual cognitive behavior psychotherapist specializing in relationship, marriage counseling using the EFT method, and post-divorce strategies when transitioning back into a single life. I provide individual one-on-one session in both French or English, and also do group settings. If you need any assistance, reach out to DMV Therapy and Coaching Services at 301-325-1550. And our official website is metalifecoach.online. Today, I'm very excited to have for our seventh episode of season three, a very special guest and relationship coach for men, Tim Wade. And just like my previous episode, I will leave it up to the guests to properly introduce themselves as no one can do a better job. Tim, the floor is yours. Well, thank you very much. I'm very excited to be here to talk to you and your audience. My name is Tim Wade. And as you said, I am a relationship, dating, marriage, and sex coach for primarily men. Uh, I very often deal with men who are in a marriage crisis or they are post-divorced, perhaps they're a widower, and they are now getting back into the dating scene. So most of my uh, clients are late 40s to 60. So sometimes they have a little difficulty figuring out the new dating world Mm -hmm. and all of those kind of things. Uh, The way I got started was that uh, in 2010, I was an empowerment coach and a business coach. But then in uh, about seven years ago, my own wife uh, decided she didn't want to be in the marriage anymore she dropped what I call the divorce bomb. Mm-hmm. And I was blindsided. And from that being in one of the most painful times in my entire life, I began to realize how little I knew about real relationships, real love, and how to negotiate those in a way that was good for me, good for my partner, and to really have the life I wanted and the relationships I wanted. And I ended up having men come to me and say, how did you do it? What are you doing? What are you doing differently? Help me. Yes. yes. That's, that is how it all began. Oh, beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Tim, for joining us at this, uh, on this podcast. And I know that your wisdom will help a lot of our listeners who are either struggling in their relationship or have uh, got through divorce. And of course, the pain that they actually withheld for so many months or years, depending on how or when the divorce happened. So um, I know that you're the title of your uh, your practice is Lionheart. Why did mm-hmm. you call it Lionheart? Um, yes, it's Lionhearted Men. So uh, the reason I, I came up with that is that I realized in my own journey that being a man was such a big question mark for so many men. Like, what does it mean? What is masculinity? What is it in, into the 21st century? And that in order for me to be the best version of me, I needed to integrate both masculine strengths and compassion, kindness, tenderness, 
understanding, uh, emotional intelligence, all of those things. And it wasn't an either or. So for me, what Lionhearted represents is the courage of the lion and the heart of the lion uh, as, a, as a metaphor. I see. The king of the jungle, right? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's right. There you go. <laughs> with a heart of gold. Yes, with a heart of gold. So um, when men come to you and they say, well, how did you do it? They, they ask you a specific question about how did you recover from the divorce? How did you um, move on? How did, because you said that you were blindsided. She just came mm-hmm. horse bomb. So how did you react to that? How did you basically maneuver throughout this whole journey? Well, the first thing I did was uh, sit there in shock with my mouth uh, open. <laughs> Basically, I didn't know what to do at first because I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have a coach. I didn't have anybody to say, okay, here's what you do. I was pretty much on my own, but because I was already a coach, I knew certain tools. And I just started working those in terms of, okay, what do I do now? She is dead set on getting divorced. And the first promise I made to myself, and then I also made it to a friend, and I said, no matter what happens, I'm going to come out of this a better man. That's, that's my promise. That's my goal. That's my intention. I had no idea what that actually meant. I just knew that um, this was so difficult and so painful that I, I needed to see it as an opportunity and a gift, mm-hmm. uh, no matter the fact that it was like, you know, a really awful, horrible crap sandwich wrapped in barbecue or wrapped in uh, uh, barbed wire, you know, that kind of gift. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, but I knew that there was uh, opportunity. And so I started doing things to change the course of who I was being, how I was thinking. And uh, an interesting thing happened about four months into that process, my uh, wife turned to me, we were separated, but she, we were in the same house. She said, I don't know what you're doing, but it's very attractive. Uh, wow. Uh, why, why did it take this for you to change like that? Uh, my answer was, I don't know. I guess I'm stubborn. <laughs> and I, I only learn things when the universe hits me upside the head with the two by four. Um, I would love to say that it was a, a Cinderella story or, or, or one of those fairy tales where we all, we ended up living happily ever after, but we had other challenges uh, as well. Uh, and I couldn't uh, be the whole equation. We did end up getting divorced uh, a year later, okay. but we created a, a, a relationship as co-parents with our two small children that I think is actually better than any marriage relationship we had. We're better friends, we're kinder, we're more understanding, we're more compassionate, we have each other's back. And I can say that, that I'm a better husband now than when I was married. Wow, so, okay, so people learn the hard way, <laughs> like you mm-hmm. said that the universe came and hit you with a two by four. But the thing is, is that why do you feel now that the burden or the, the, the weight came out of your shoulder? It's kind of like now you were able to become a better version of yourself throughout this journey of uh, getting divorced. Now, do you feel that this is something that you were not also not happy in the marriage that you kind of like was okay with the process and you kind of like felt that you were surfing the wave of the divorce? You know, that's an excellent question. And I would say that looking back, 
I was able to realize just how unhappy I was, just how much I was settling for a relationship that wasn't anywhere near what it could be. Mm -hmm. And I was just trying to get by. And I think a lot of men do that. We kind of put our heads down and we go, okay, I'm just going to muscle through this and hopefully it'll get better in the future. I mean, it's okay, right? It's okay. We're okay. Yeah. At the same time, their wife starts thinking, I don't like this. I'm not happy. I don't know what to do. And I've found that there's actually a process they go through that is quite honestly about two years long. Oh, we call it the, the two-year ticking time, time bomb in that two years before they finally say, I've had it, I'm done, I'm out of here. They've been thinking about it. They've been saying, this is not what I want. This is not the life I thought I'd have. This is, And the conclusion they come to, whether right or wrong, true or false, accurate or not, is my marriage is the problem. In fact, he's the problem. And so if I get away from him, all will be well. Now, sometimes that may be true and other times not necessarily. It's an illusion. Yes. Yes. But do you feel that they're not taking responsibility, that they're also a contributor to a marriage that is unhappy? Yeah, I, I don't. Uh, one of the things in, in my community of men, we are not women haters or bashers. We are pro-marriage and all of that. But I have to say that my experience in these relationships are that the women are looking for something outside of themselves to make them happy. Uh, and, and, you know, a lot of us as humans learn that we think that it's the thing out there, the circumstance, the person, the money, the job, that's going to be the thing to make us happy. And one of the things I teach my clients is that happiness is an inside job. <laughs> that's where it starts. You bring your own happiness to a relationship and share it with someone else who can do the same thing. Uh, if you're depending on the other person to, you know, make you happy, uh, you may be sorely disappointed. Uh, I agree. And actually, there was a new research, Tim, and I don't know if uh, you, you found the statistics that said that now 67% of the women are the one who initiate the divorce. And they're That's right. taking action to be able to say, I'm not happy, I'm getting out. So what would you say that the men are more likely to um, accept a certain situation in a marriage, even though they're not happy, they will push through. They say, maybe in the future, I will do that. Well, I will do this or whatever it is. But yet the women, when they sense that feeling that things are not right, they will just go all the way through ending a marriage. Do you think that men are more patient in that regard versus women? What's your, what's your take on that? It may involve some patience. It also probably is a good healthy or unhealthy dose, I mean, of denial. Um, there's a certain, Alison Armstrong works with men and women to help, especially women understand men, right? And she's written books and all these different things. Uh, and one of the things she says, and she, people are shocked she says this sometimes, but I believe it. And that is that women don't instinctually have honor. Now, that doesn't mean they're not trustworthy or they don't have things they commit to and all those things. But men have a wired in sense of duty, like stay the course, yes. get it done, you know, don't quit. Um, you know, quitting is weak. And of course, a man's biggest fear is that he's weak. Yes. And so I would say that some of it involves that idea of like, look, I made a promise, I made a vow, I'm sticking to it. And, uh, you know, it's not how I would like it, but maybe it's not so bad. 
And they're in a bit of denial about that. And here's the other thing of the side of the coin. Women are actually trying to tell their husband they're not happy. They just don't speak a language that we're listening to as men. Yes. Oh, that is. In, so <laughs> in fact, I had one woman tell me about her husband and, and, and she said, I, I don't know how he doesn't know that I was unhappy and that this was going to happen. I hinted all the time. <laughs> Hint is not really a clear. Uh, <laughs> I asked her, I said, and how did that work out? <laughs> well, he didn't get it. And I said, yeah, I know. We're a little bit more literal-minded than our feminine partners. Uh, sometimes, like I said, the two-by-four upside the head or just something really, really straightforward. We don't hear it. We're not listening. We're listening for other things. But, and um, but Do you think the psychological aspect between the men and women when it comes to the men feeling that they have to be a provider and if they give up on the marriage, they have the guilt of uh, you know, not pursuing something that they're unhappy about, but feeling the obligation that they have to push through, even through unhappiness. While the woman, on the other spectrum here, they, they feel that if the man cannot fulfill that specific need of making his spouse happy, then they just have the right to be able to get up and leave. So why is that differentiation between genders where men has to take and absorb all this burden and not has it been uh, shared with the other one. You know, that's excellent uh, that uh, you've brought up something so uh, uh, at the core, I think, of how we don't understand each other. And men, are, I believe, are hardwired to want to protect and, and, and to provide. It's, it's just in us innately. Uh, Now, the problem is, on a level of society, for a long time, that was what was required of men, and that was pretty much it. So maybe my parents' generation or their parents' generation in the 50s and the 40s, if a guy had a good paycheck, did the job, you know, provided food and a house and safety and all that, then everything else was up to the wife, and he had done his job. Mm -hmm. All right? Flash forward to now. <laughs> Women have... Uh, other opportunities. There was a time when a woman couldn't even get a credit card without her husband co-signing for it. They certainly couldn't get it. There was a time when it was like, my husband won't give me a divorce because the husband actually had to give permission for the wife to divorce him. It's not that way anymore. Now women have careers and they make sometimes more mon money than their husbands. They have all sorts of opportunities. They don't have to be Uh, what they feel is, you know, in a cage or in prison. So, so that's one reason I think is that, yeah, they can leave. The other reason is what you're talking about, which is the feeling of uh, if I let down my family, I'm a very bad person, I'm a bad husband. I'm a bad, and I felt this. I'm a bad husband. I'm a bad father. I'm a bad man. I'm a failure at all of those things when my marriage failed. Turns out none of those things were empirically true. I was a human and I was struggling and I made mistakes. That's for sure. So I think that women and men come at it from a different place and that women say, I want to be emotionally happy. And men say, I want to be, feel I have a purpose. <laughs> first and foremost, that I have, that my life has meaning and that I have a place in the world. I also want to be happy, but Uh, I'm not saying that women don't have purpose. 
So don't don't <laughs> anyone listening know yeah. that 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 there are certain drivers though that women have and certain drivers that men have, and they're a little different. Oh yeah, well, they, well, like you said, we're wired differently. But then again, if everyone understands each other's love language, okay, Tim, um, then it would be an easy way to communicate with the other person and not ignore what the other person understands from, uh, you know, what they like to hear to be able to express the love towards each other. So, like, if you look at the uh, Chapman, you know, like the, mm-hmm. the five love languages and all, a lot of people know about them, but they don't practice it. Is it because of sense of laziness? Is it a sense that they don't care if the marriage succeeds or fails? I mean, why don't people just take advantage of the knowledge of other people to be able to learn and make things better? Why are they so stubborn to be able to go back in their old ways? Uh, Well, all I can say is that all of us are uh, uh, resistant to change because change is scary. It's the unknown. It's outside the comfort zone. So first and foremost, most people want to keep the status quo, right? They just want to keep things the way they are. As long as it's not too painful, you know, then they can bear it. They would rather uh, that, you know, they say the devil, you know, is better than the devil you don't. So uh, even I think the comfort zone is a misnomer. I don't know that it's necessarily always comfortable. It's certainly uh, uh, known, right? it's, it's, It's the thing you know. So why don't people, I love languages are, are, is a great tool. And why I can, I can speak more for uh, my clients as men. And I love you guys, but we're stubborn. <laughs> I mean, I, I joke, if you remember the old Monty Python movie with the black knight and, and the guy cuts his arm off and it's lying on the ground. Mm-hmm. The guy says, no, it's only a flesh wound. Yeah, that's about the point where most men decide, maybe I should get some help. And so then they're Googling at night, uh, what do I do, help? You know, my wife wants uh, wants space. My wife want, doesn't, says she doesn't, uh, isn't in love with me anymore, all of those things. Yeah. And at that point, the, the house is already on fire. Yes. So I sometimes call my practice uh, relationship triage because they're coming in on a gurney, <laughs> you know, into the ER. And, and so I, I have to resuscitate them first mm-hmm. so that they can then listen to things like love languages, uh, how to listen uh, uh, with empathy and validation. That's another big tool. Uh, how to uh, not take things personally, but listen beyond what the person is saying into what they're feeling or what are their real complaint is beyond why don't you take out the trash yes because <laughs> guys will go oh she's upset about the trash i'll take out the trash we take out the trash she seems to still not be happy i don't understand and that's because for her taking out the trash or not taking it out let's say being told to means you don't respect me you don't appreciate what i do you're not helping me you're not a partner uh you don't understand me and ultimately maybe you don't love me all of that could be wrapped up in why do i always have to tell you to yeah. take out the trash but we're very we're like fix it what do i do take out the trash great fixed so so why do you okay why do men are more reactive than proactive tim and um obviously you know if, as you mentioned, if let's say people or men primarily take initiative and they don't need to be told by their wife what needs to be done because that can be 
belittling them as well, because like a kid, oh, do this, do your homework, do. So if they know that this may be the cause, but there's an underlying issue that is still remaining. Yeah, you take out the trash. Uh, you know that every week, every Thursday, the trash day is, or Wednesday night, you go and bring the trash out. You don't need for her to say, hey, remember the trash. So this in itself is kind of like an analogy of everything wrong that is going on the marriage, because it's not just the trash. It's something that I always have to tell you what needs to be done to make things better. So can, can men start learning about what they need to do instead of always repeating the same mistakes or same issues and expecting different results out of them? Absolutely, they can. I, I work with hundreds and hundreds of men who have learned this. Now, they haven't all been able to save their marriages or their relationships because, like I said, they come into the, the emergency room at the last moment, but they have been able to become the kind of man that can have a great relationship. Love languages that you brought up is interesting. Let's talk about the trash analogy. Let's say your love, uh, your, your, your lover's love language is acts of service. That's one of the five. Yes. Well, taking out the trash is kind of an act of service. It could, it could be anything. But so she feels loved when you provide that kind of thing. You fix something without being told. You, you take initiative, like you said. Suddenly she feels loved. Can men lo learn that? Absolutely. Now, what they do have to learn first is that I would say if I had to put a bet down that the love language of most uh, middle-aged men or even young men is touch, physical <laughs> touch, number one. Uh, and many, many uh, women, that's not actually their first one. Their first one might be um, quality time together. Or words of affirmation as well. Or words of affirmation, yeah. Once you know that and you realize, oh, I've been loving this person in a way that maybe I feel loved. So I want to be affectionate all the time, or I want to have sex, or I want to, because touch is so important to me. Now, if she understands yours is touch and hers is uh, quality time, I think you can, that both can learn to express love in a way that the person really feels it. I see. So, so men can. Men can learn. Old, you know, old dogs can learn new tricks. That's all there is to it. <laughs> so, um, so, but also being genuine about it not feel everything every time that you're doing something. It's kind of like, oh, here we go again, kind of thing. Yes, it's, it's interesting because what I teach guys is that everything you do in a relationship, you need to do because it's who you are as a man. It's who you either are practicing or aspiring to be or, or you just already recognize you are. It's not in order to get brownie points, affection. And of course, a lot of guys think, well, I do this and this. And so that means I get sets. Mm -hmm. And that's actually not an, a requirement uh, <laughs> in, in the marriage. That's something that you give to each other because you want to express that, not because you earned it. I see. And that, but then so that, if you go ahead. Sorry to interrupt you, uh, Tim, but uh, since women are wired differently, they will always feel that by giving their body to their husband is because you have met all the conditions <laughs> that the woman feels that has been fulfilled in some way or another. So it's always a give and take. And it's always exchanging services for 
intimacy or vice versa, whatever it is. So, but that's, that's a continual thing all through the marriage. So where does it break? Where does it interrupt? I think it gets interrupted when people feel entitled. Uh, men feel entitled to her body uh, because they did this, that, and the other thing. Or when women feel that, that sex uh, and affection and all that is a currency, they withhold it when they want to punish you, they give it when they want to. And, and that's so transactional mm -hmm. that it finally breaks down as opposed to, I provide a, a safe environment for my partner by being the man I am. So she feels emotionally safe. So she feels secure. She knows that she can be herself without judgment from me. Then she feels attracted to me because she wants to open. Or maybe for her, she says, uh, I, I want respect. I want admiration as a man. I want to know that she uh, thinks I'm awesome. And so when she gives me those kind of signals, like you're my guy and you're the best, then I feel like, oh, I, I just want to be, you know, the person for you to, to, to meet your needs. Mm -hmm. Now, all of a sudden, there's a coming together that isn't like a tit for tat. I see. But would you, would you comfortably say, Tim, and you could, like, of course, contradict uh, in any shape or form, that marriage has become a barter where it's like an exchange of service with the same value. So where do people can say, I value this as this and you value intimacy as that. So this is a fair trade or a fair transaction, as you mentioned. Is that how we need to perceive in a way? I mean, of course, there's love, there's uh, everything else that follows, but this is what I see in most of my practice. It's just a barter. I think that it's been a barter for a long time, but I don't think that's where uh, real uh, intimate relationships are, should be heading. I think it's, it's not about, like, what is the purpose of being in an intimate relationship? Is it to get your needs met or is it to learn how to love? Mm -hmm. I believe it's the latter. Yeah. I believe that learning how to give, learning how to love more fully and learning how to be more yourself and be seen Those are the gifts of, of, of a, a relationship, not I got to get mine. Yeah. Yes. Yes, we have needs and that's fine. And, and we'll, we'll get those. But if you, both, if you both came as a way of, I would like to give more. I'd like to give more generously. I think the needs would get met. As long as, yes. Do we have to communicate? Of course. Do we have to understand our partner? Absolutely. But the attitude is not a ledger book of, okay, You did this, and oh, you know. that's yes, absolutely. <laughs> so then, for a marriage uh, perspective here, Tim, what are the needs and wants in both uh, spouses? I mean, what I need is not necessarily what I want, and what I want is not necessarily what I need. So where does the where does the right middle comes along? That's a good uh, question, and I think it's something that we're all still exploring. But one thing I think we do know, and psychologists know, <clears throat> is that Women, if they had to pick the number one thing they need is a feeling of security, okay. a feeling of safety. Uh, they are, we are wired differently and women are wired to, to know that they are vulnerable. Yes. 
men, I believe, if they had one primary need, would be a, a sense of autonomy. You might call it freedom. You might call it agency or, or having an impact, being able to make decisions that affect the course of your life. Uh, I think those, are the, those would be the two big ones, and there's other ones. But if, if you understand that, you'd be a very far ahead of most people if you could realize that. Right. I've seen this in your practice, uh, Tim, so I am sure that uh, you definitely have the right tips and advice when it comes to uh, the, what works in a relationship. But on that note, what, how can our listeners find you online, Tim? Uh, the easiest way to, is to go to lionhearted.men. So there's no, there's no .com. Most people don't know there's a .men extension. So it's lionhearted.men. And that's the best way you can get me there and you can email me or message me or, and um, I always love to talk to, to people who have questions and concerns. And do you do like uh, YouTube videos by any chance, Tim, about some tips or advice in that regard? I've actually just started a YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that, that also is going to be lionhearted.men or lionheartedmen at YouTube. Yeah, lionhearted, yeah there's no Yeah, doubt. so it's the same thing. <laughs> okay, uh, Beautiful. Well, look, on that note, that is all the time that we have for today's podcast, Tim. And I really appreciate you taking the time out of your very busy schedule to join us and share your extensive knowledge in the field of dating and relationship. Now, the many recommendations you share to our loyal listeners will help them better navigate through these choppy waters. Now, we hope, hope that you've all enjoyed today's episode. And I'm also very excited about the many upcoming industry experts that we have scheduled for season three of the Love and Dating Group with Dr. Den podcast filled with very valuable tips and advice, just like the one that you listened to today. My name is Dr. Dan Amzalag, and you may all stay safe, sane, and smart when searching for that special someone. Stay tuned for our next episode.